What is this? For the mess. Can I begin? Uh huh. It's the chill kit. I got the cards to the deck you should deal with. I got the flows to nod your head. Can you feel it? I put the beans in the bag and I will never spill it. Yes, sir. Damn right. I keep it low key. They must got all time as if they say that they know me. Welcome to the For the Masters podcast. My name is John Barrett, your host. I'm excited, everyone. I'm excited to be back. I took some weeks off, weeks from the months, but hey, we're back again. All right, I'm ready to be consistent, and as a treat for all of you guys, I'm just going to drop all the episodes I have, okay? So be on the lookout. Just remember to like and subscribe. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Facebook Podcast now. I'm on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you listen to podcasts, so please support the podcast. This episode is going to be with a good buddy of mine. His name is Stephen Prover, and it's his title, Adulthood. We get into the, the nuances about being becoming an adult and going to society, translating outside of college, okay? So again, I appreciate everyone. Happy holidays, and thanks for listening for the Masses Podcast. Prover, what's up, bro? I appreciate oh, not much, man. Yeah, absolutely. I was definitely uh, very excited and honored to be a part of this. Very yeah, man, I'm, I'm super grateful. Like I have hella Jesuit family uh, jumping on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's been cool. I got to. It's it's kind of cool listening to some of those and you know getting to even just hear people that you haven't talked to in years. Um, you know, seeing how they're doing. No, absolutely. Because I think it's surreal for a lot of us because, like, uh, obviously the community we had at our university, um, especially for people involved with campus ministry. Um, even people who weren't super involved, we all did service. We all kind of like eventually, you know, went down that path. And I think we look for those meaningful conversations in our day-to-day life. Yeah, yeah, very much. It's it's really cool kind of getting to just talk to people. And, you know, in, in my work, I, I meet new people every single day and kind of hearing their stories and, you know, comparing it to what I went through um, and, uh, you know, kind of what made me the person I am and hearing what made other people the people they are. It's really cool. No, absolutely. And that's what it's about, you know, and, um, and, you know, obviously like, you know, for the masses, you know, for a large demographic of people and like you seeing different people from different walks of life, their different perspectives and seeing how it brought them to their place where they're at now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And sharing those stories. But Prover, obviously like from what you just said, I want to ask you what you're doing right now, but we got to start from the beginning. We got to start from the beginning. So Prover, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your upbringing, things like that. Yeah, so um, I am from Maryland and um, born and raised there, and someday we'll end up there. I'm in Ohio right now, but I was really um, saying I'm in Maryland. What's that, uh, bro? I'm in Maryland right now. Oh yeah, what part, bro? I'm in uh, Elkridge, like Anne Arundel area. Oh sweet, yeah, that's awesome. Where are you that's from? An hour. I'm from Frederick. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so crazy. Yeah, not too far. I have family in the Anne Arundel County area. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm from. Um, you know, growing up was very active in many many different aspects of my life. Um, you know, was was always doing sports every year round. Um, kind of dabbled with a bunch of different ones. Um, I know you and I have a big in common thing with wrestling. That was my main sport growing Absolutely. up. Um, definitely made me a lot of the man that I am today for sure. I'm sure 100%. you can agree on that. Um, so I did a lot with athletics, um, was also super close with my family, all my cousins and aunts, uncles, grandparents. Uh, I was very fortunate that they were all kind of within like a 20, 30 minute radius of my house. So, you know, my best friends, a lot of them were cousins. Um, and, and they're the kind of the friends that you have your entire life. Yeah. Um, 
you know, in growing along the road, you, you get new friends, you lose friends, but they're kind of the rocks that are always there. So um, they've been a big influence in my life. Um, also was uh, an Eagle Scout. So I kind of dabbled in that. And I think that, you know, also helped make me a lot of who I am today as well. Um, and, you know, was always active in church and things like that. So really came out of came out of Maryland as, as well-rounded as I possibly could have, I guess. Nah, absolutely. So how, how do you think you're like your family being so close, like impacted you, you know, so like you always had someone you can call if like me picked up from school, emergency, like family was super close to you. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it definitely was what I think defined a huge, you know, part of who I am is just having my family, you know, so close. And, you know, I've, had like, you know, friends and relationships along the way that, you know, their comments, you know, to my family are always just like, I've never, I never grew up with something like that. Like where, you know, there's, it's your cousin's birthday and everybody gets together and, you know, I can go spark a conversation with, you know, my aunt for 30 minutes and talk to her. And then I'm go talking to my cousin who's, you know, 10 years older, but you know, whatever it is, um, everybody's just kind of, you know, on the same playing field. And it, it, it really humbles you a lot when, you know, you're talking to all your family. They've always been there through, you know, any sort of support. I'm the youngest of, of three. Mm-hmm. And um, so they've been, you know, mentors to me throughout my life, as well as, um, you know, some of the other family members. And, you know, you just kind of learn from everybody. And, you know, there's there's usually something that if you face, if you're facing a problem, somebody else has, um, or at least something similar where they can kind of help you get through it. So, um, you know, they've, they've all been kind of mentors to me, whether it's aunt, uncle, younger cousins, older cousins, kind of everybody. So family to me is everything. Now that, that's beautiful, especially with like the thing about family that's super amazing is they're your family. So you can be vulnerable naturally. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Which um, is, it's kind of helps and hurts sometimes too. Like, yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's even harder to get vulnerable in front of your family because yeah. they're going to be around for the rest of your life. So no, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, and then you were Eagle Scout, which a lot of people don't make it Eagle Scout. I know that because I didn't make it Eagle Scout. Yeah, that that was um that was a big challenge. And I think, you know, the reason I got into it was because my older brothers did it. And um, I was very much like anything you can do, I can do better. Um, yeah. And I mean, naturally, sibling rivalry. So um, so they both went into that. And um, so I was really involved with with a lot of stuff that they did before I was in it. And I was like, Yeah, it's cool. I, I'll do some camping and learn how to like do first aid stuff, things like that and got into it and loved it. And um, yeah, I got my Eagle Scout when I was 16. So that was really, really cool. Um, and learned so much. I mean, all the time, you know, just today, um, or in, in today's life, I'm, I'm recounting skills from you know oh i remember this camping trip where i learned this or you know when it comes to first aid stuff you're like oh yeah you know all this battlefield type medicine that you kind of learn when you're camping it's it's pretty wild but it's cool that's cool and that's honorable you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot of benefits of eagle scouts like i i don't i don't remember what they were but i feel like people are able to translate to the military quicker if they were eagle scout or something like that Do do you know about that um, I do know people that um, were Eagle Scouts that did go into the military, um, but you know more so. I, I would say it wasn't even like it was an Eagle Scout. Like it was people, even if they only got two, three ranks in the Boy Scouts that went into the military, um, 
you know, I, th- I think that they've, they've gotten huge benefits out of just the, the sheer discipline really is what goes a long way with Boy Scouts. It's like the first time in your life where you have control of kind of what you're doing, I guess. Like, look, your parents aren't going to get you, you know, to that next rank. It's you. And, you know, to learn that at 13 years old um, or 12 years old, whatever they start letting people in, you know, that's like the first time you're learning that kind of stuff. I mean, you're, you're on your own, you're camping, you're leaving your house for a weekend and you're out in snow or something like that. And like, it's, it's your decisions that, um, you know, carry the weight this time. And so I, I think it translates well, um, you know, to the people that I know that are, are serving and, um, or have served or, um, you know, ones who have even thought about it. Um, who, who may not have gone into it, but really thought about, hey, I could, I could really do this because of some of these things that I've learned. So, um, no, absolutely, yeah, that's really cool. That's so dope. So, so, Robert, me and you met uh, in college, right, at a faith yeah, group yeah. called Man Club. So, faith-wise, like, what's your, what's your, like, what, what's your religion? What did you grow up as? Like, did you, did you just like start being, um, you know, quote unquote religious in college? Like, what, what was your, what's your faith walk like? So I've got a, I mean, kind of a roller coaster of a faith story. Not, not a crazy one necessarily, but it's been ups and downs, you know, as everybody's I'm sure has. Um, growing up, I was more, I, I was, I, I identified as religious. I've always been Catholic. So, okay. um, you know, I, it was always like, you're expected to go to church on Sundays. You're expected to do these, you know, Sunday school things or you know, you're going to be a confirmed Catholic, you're going to go through reconciliation, all the sacraments, stuff like that. Um, but it was never really, it was never really my choice. It, and it wasn't like I necessarily would have chosen against it. But it was more like, I was just kind of going through the motions and never really like took faith upon myself and realized what my friendship was with God was really all about. Um, going into college, I um, was on scholarship for our music ministry. So I had to go to church and yeah. had to like go to the practices and things like that. But that was really what kind of kickstarted my friendship relationship with God, um, was there because, you know, it was almost like a perfect storm of, um, I got lucky enough to, I mean, maybe unlucky or lucky in whoever's eyes that I was at the, um, evening mass. So like, I loved it because, you know, whatever you end up doing Saturday night, sometimes Sunday's a slow morning. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and like, you know, you get into your studying, maybe you're watching football, like things like that throughout the day. Um, but then at night, it's kind of just like very like meditative almost. Um, and you, you kind of really get to hit that reset button um, at the evening mass. So I started really just liking it for that. Um, and then uh, after my freshman year, um, you know, I really started getting involved in a lot of kind of, I guess, extra, I don't want to call them extracurricular, but like stuff that um, was like, you know, hosted by campus ministry, whether it was, um, you know, things like Kairos or freshman overnight or, you know, leading trips like that or getting into the Arupe program and doing a lot of service. Um you know, that's, that's when I really started to get involved into the church more. Um, and that's when, you know, things really started taking off for me um, and really starting to shape kind of who I am today, um, you know, by, by getting involved more than just going to, to mass. Um, yeah. So that was super cool. And then 
it was uh, the end of my uh, sometime in the no, beginning of my sophomore year um, when Putty came to campus, and um, and, and so I met Putty, and uh, we met. It was it was at freshman orientation when he does that lean on me song and everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> in front of all the freshman class. And uh, that was the day that I met him because I was kind of helping him do a lot of that stuff. And him and I just kind of kicked it off right away and became friends. And um, so I was kind of one of his first people, first students that he really knew on campus. And so we were, that's what kind of started the man club was a couple of us hanging out at that picnic table outside of Timor and then needing bigger space and, you know, really just growing it from there. No, absolutely. And it's so crazy because um, like, I think all of us have our own individual experience with Putty where we met him. And I, I tell, I probably told this in a podcast like three times, but I saw him run across like the square like into the campus ministry office when we were at the bottom and he was just like going through the bushes. And I was like, <laughs> I just got going through the bushes. It's so weird. And then um like obviously like eventually you met he invited me to Man Club where I met you all. And um so for everyone listening, Man Club is just a faith sharing group we had at our school where uh guys could just come together, you know, get vulnerable with each other, share share their faith experiences. Even some people who, you know, not necessarily, you know, believed in a certain religion or or, or even Faith could come and just talk about things, you know. Um, so I met Probert there, and what was really unique about you was just, like, you were so, like, transparent about everything. You know, you and Nick Cochran yeah, was, like, super transparent. You know? <laughs> Nick Cochran. <laughs> yeah, you know? and Great guy. Super, super transparent, bro. And um, so that's what I appreciate about you. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, I found that it was really helpful to me to be transparent, Um you know, it really went both ways because until you, until you make yourself vulnerable, things aren't as real as they actually are. Yeah. Um, you know, when you communicate to somebody how you're feeling and that's what we did in man club was, you know, what was your high of the week? What was your low of the week? Um, and when were you a man for others? And, um, you know, that became like what, what you could really reflect on what you've done and how you're feeling and when you start like articulating that and communicating that to the people, it's so much more powerful internally because you're like, wow, this is, a, this is real. Like, you know, I just went through a breakup. I'm going through this. And like, you're like, now that I'm talking to my, my boys about it, it's like, all right, they're like, you know, feeding back. And it's like, man, like this, this is definitely what I needed. No. And that's real. And that's exactly what it was. And I think that's what attracted it to me because I don't know if you know, I'm a PK, like my dad's a minister or was a minister. Yeah, that's cool. And, um, I grew up in a church, but I think what was like a little like unique for me was like my mom, when she had to drag me out of bed, when I hit 12 or 13, she was like, you know, you got to find out for yourself, you know, and it kind of let me like explore, you know, my, my, my faith, like from like 12 to like 15, 16 on my own, you know? So when I got to uh, college and like man club and I was around, around other believers and I saw these dudes, I'm like, dude, dude, this dude had a girl problem. And he telling other dudes like, this is awesome. Like, you know, um, super transparent individuals. And I was like, yeah, I, I got, uh, this is therapeutic. You know, this yeah. Is awesome. Um, yeah. So that was like really, really like big for me, man. Um, yeah. Man club was huge. That was, that was definitely a pivotal, uh, experience at college and, and, you know, really wouldn't have been, I, I don't know. I would probably wouldn't be exactly who I am today without it. I, mean, I definitely wouldn't because you realize the importance of relationships, um, you know, and it doesn't just have to be people that you're hanging out with on campus or playing video games with. Like, you know, you and I really only saw each other at man club, but yep. like we had that connection that was like, 
look, if I needed somebody to talk to, he's there. Yep. And it's not the same people necessarily that you're playing FIFA with or something that you're like, <laughs> oh, hey man, uh, yeah. have a girl drop. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, um, you know, it was having those relationships gets, you know, lets you get things off your chest and, and work things out with, um, you know, other people. And then you're there for them as well. So. No, absolutely. And so, so obviously like man club definitely helped us in college, but like, as you graduate, you matriculate on to life, how did, how did like man club help you like adulthood? Um, so, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that man club helped me with, um, that, that comes into my adulthood and, and professional life even is like the importance of just mentorship, you know, like yeah. just having somebody like putty was my mentor from when I met him, um, and through college and everything, like he, he helped me through a lot of things. Um, I met mentors through man club, like Nick Cochran, um, you know, him and I spent a ton of time together my last two years at Jesuit and, um, you know, he was, he was kind of always a, just you like, we'd go into his truck and we'd go for a drive and have no, no aim. And he'd pull out a pack of cigarettes and he'd be like, all right, man, let's, <laughs> let's vent. And I'm like, hey, all right, let's go. And Nick so Cochran. like, those were some of the best conversations I had. Cause it was like, let's just drive around aimlessly in this like truck. That's going to fall apart at any second now. <laughs> um, but no, we, we, uh, we had a really good time together, you know, just, having that bond and you know even in wheeling i did um i did that hess program so i was the mentor to um you know at risk youth and um my mentee in particular was a sixth grader and i had him sixth seventh and eighth grade and um helped him through a lot of stuff that him and i had a lot in common and um you know i, I think it, i think it really helped him a lot he ended up graduating high school and was like working and all that stuff so um, he, he did really well. And, um, but as far as carrying it into my professional life, I realized, um, very quickly that I needed a mentor, yeah. um, because I just can't do it on my own. Um, it, you know, people have the answers and if you're not going to talk to them, you're not going to get the answers. Um, you know, like my line of work, I had to do a residency program and so I'm a prosthetist. Um, so okay. I, uh, basically see amputees and fit them with whether it's a prosthetic leg, prosthetic arm, um, super rewarding work that I do because, you know, yeah. people have kind of hit their rock bottom when they, when somebody takes their leg, um, and you know, they need to be built back up. Yeah. So, um, when, when you get to that point where they're being built up and they can see the progress, it's, it's life changing stuff. I really, really enjoy it. Um, and I, you know, really grew quickly into my field and in my career because I, I mean, I attribute all of it to having a mentor. Um, when I was a resident, you have a residency director, or a residency mentor that is kind of person that you shadow and follow and things like that. Um, and mine, he, uh, he's kind of like our area clinic manager. So we have like three offices in Columbus. Um, he's the manager of all of them. Um, but he also kind of sees some high level cases. He's, he's very, very good at his job. So he's kind of the go-to for like, Hey, this is the stuff that nobody else can figure out. Can you do it? Um, and so I like latched onto that. I was like, you know, he, he, he used to have to travel to appointments that were like an hour away or two hours away. And I'd be like, Jason, I'm going with you. And yeah. so like, we would just have really good talks in the car about, you know, 
life in general, but a lot of stuff about work and, you know, just how can I be better and do more? Um, and he, he's kind of like one of our, like local, or I guess like a regional local type, uh, specialist for upper limb prosthetics. And I thought that was really cool because most like clinicians in the field don't see much because it's like 5% of all amputations are upper limb, but we were like a hot spot for it. So I was like, this is an opportunity to become a specialist in something that people can't really become specialists in unless they're gifted into such an environment. So, um, and so right now I'm on the path to become a regional specialist, um, which is just really cool. Um, but wouldn't have done that if I didn't really step out of my comfort zone and one day go to him and say, Hey, like, I, I want to do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, what can I do to get to that? And so he really helped kind of guide me to that and, and would sometimes throw me out in, into the deeps and say, Hey, you know, sink or swim, figure this one out. Um, and you know, I, I learned a lot from that and then kind of furthermore into my career, um, I was asked by our like residency board um, to pilot a mentor program. And so they would take people who are fresh out of their residency and pair them with somebody who's fresh into their residency, um, and, you know, get on like weekly calls and just kind of see how things are going and then, you know, things that they can share with you that they're not necessarily going to share with their manager. Um, That's so cool. Being a manager. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was like chomping at the bit to do that. My, my fiance is also in the field, um, that I'm in, we met in grad school at Pittsburgh. And, um, and so, you know, I've kind of helped her along the ways, but then she's now also a mentor for another, um, resident, uh, in the company. So, you know, we're both doing a lot of that mentoring and, uh, it's, it's really cool just kind of, you know, when you, when you sit back and reflect on it, like you're, you're not just, it's not a one-way relationship where the mentor is, or mentee is learning from the mentor, like hundred percent goes both ways. Cause you realize how far you've come and the struggles that you went through are the same ones that they're going through, you know, and even though it was just two years ago, you feel like you're 10 years out of it because you, you fought through it and, and got through it and learned a ton, um, you know, so no, it's absolutely. great for reflecting on it. No, I, I agree. And it's funny that you say that because I was just talking to my mentor um, and he was actually episode one of the podcast, major Lewis. And he, he, he was like, man, like you don't know how much I get out of mentorship as like, you know, you, you think it's just benefiting you, but it benefits us both, you know? Definitely. Um, I think I, I've seen it in, in me, I grew, I've grown a ton, like, hands down. And I thought this dude was crazy when I met him. Yeah. And he would just, like, he would just say random stuff. And, and I just thought he was, like, older. I was like, yo, he got to get out, you know? Yeah. And then, like, here, probably a year, almost a year later, I'm like, everything's, like, coming true. I'm like, this dude is not crazy. It right? clicks. Yeah, yeah, like you, you think what he's telling you, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not, yeah. I'm not going to be faced with that. Like, tell me your stories and I'm just, one ear out the other, but then it starts happening and you're like, whoa. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> bro, it's so crazy. But, um, bro, yeah, so same experience, man. And uh, I'm, su- I'm super glad. And I think, and like, that's like something I guess we, we did get out of Man Club, like the be- being valuable, like having a mentorship and having a mentor and also mentoring. Yeah, you know, when we can, even if people don't want it, want it. Sometimes I, I still try to, you know, do yeah. it. Yeah, you know, like the, the putty putty is very good at kind of sliding in as like your friend, and he's just like, oh, he's this cool guy. I'm just hanging out with, having lunch, and then before you know, you've talked to him a few more times, and it's like, wow, this guy's actually my mentor. He's taught me yeah. a lot of that stuff, and so I think that's how the best mentorship starts when you have like you know a friendship going, 
and then you realize, you know, it doesn't just have to also be a one-way street. Like you can mentor them when they need it. They can mentor you when you need it. Um, and, and it's, it's really cool how it ends up working out. I, I agree. And I think with Putty, like he talks about the idea of having an executive board and, um, and I, I see him as one of the people on my executive board, you know, or major, yeah. actors, you know, give him a call. Yeah. That's very interesting. I've never, never heard that, but I, I like that. You need, you yeah. need your panel. <laughs> you need your panel, man. And um, I know, I know for me, like, I, like I have coaches on there, you know, obviously like Putty, even like Pierce, you know, so, um, yeah, super grateful for that that concept of assembling executive board. Yeah, 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 that's really cool. So, so Probert, like, how do you how do you feel about like again, you're in adulthood. You made a decision to uh, be coachable, get a mentor. You know, you made a decision to like ask questions to mentor other people. But how how important is decision making uh, at at the stage of your life? Oh, uh, man, uh, it's crazy. Decisions are everything. Um, you know, you're you're taught that your whole life like your decisions can take you one way or another um and you know discerning between decisions is sometimes some of the hardest things where you need to go to that panel um your executive board to to figure things out but man when you're an adult um and you're working and and you know you live in your own place and you know everything is uh it's great but like decisions can can really change everything Um, you know, I, so one of the other things that I did when I, uh, started at my, my job was, um, let's see, I've been there for about three and a half years now. Um, and after I was done with my residency, um, so really like around the end of 2019, uh, the clinic manager of one of our offices, uh, moved away. So there was a vacancy and I, you know, saw some patients there and stuff. And, you know, the position was vacant for like a couple of weeks, a couple of mm-hmm. months. And I was like, so I talked to Jason, who was my mentor. And I was like, hey, um, I, I think I want that job. Yeah. And he like glue, like I was so nervous talking to him. He like, he, he just started glowing up and he was like, yes. He was like, I didn't want to like push it on you because you're brand new and like didn't know if it would overwhelm you that like this was like kind of our thought for you. Um, but he was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, long story short, I became clinic manager and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, uh, you know, management's a different world. I'll tell you it's, it is, uh, it's stressful. And that's when really decisions start to start to have big, big impacts because you're in charge of, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people and, and, and a lot of money, you know, like, yeah. Like the company generates money and you're responsible for generating, you know, your budget and you're held accountable for everything. You know, when you're working for a corporation, like, you know, you're on the line to, to yep. do what they're telling you to do. Um, so that gets, that gets stressful. And, um, you know, the other thing that you learn is, as when you get into management um, and, and, it, and it was kind of a hard lesson for me to learn, but like eyes are on you and, yeah. and they're waiting for you to do something wrong. Um, you know, if you, if you don't think that everybody's watching everything that you do at every time of the day when you're at work, um, yeah, you're wrong. Like they are, they are. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the, one of the lessons that I learned is, um, is the concept of buddy to boss because like when you're, 
you know, only a couple years out of college and, you know, you're in your late twenties, things like that. And you're managing people who are in their fifties and their forties. Like, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of get that respect, but I started at the company as just everybody's friend. Like I was a coworker. Um, and then you get promoted to now you're their boss Yeah, and like that, that gets hard. And so that was when really decisions became the toughest. It's like, okay, like these conversations I used to be fine talking about, but now I can't, I have to back off. Um, and, and it, it gets kind of lonely being a manager, uh, but that comes with a job. You know, you, you just can't have friends that you can, you can't have coworker friends that you can tell anybody anything, you know, like in man club, like you don't yeah. have that. Um, you know, you can still have mentors, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really like, I, I sit back and I reflect on, I'm like, man, like what I would do to go back just into college right now and like be able <laughs> yeah. to like on Tuesday night, go to man club and have my meal here and, you know, go to this event there. But, you know, when you're a professional and, um, you know, in that world, you really gotta, um, you know, make the right decisions all the time, um, or learn from the mistakes that you make. And I think, you know, the mistakes that I made have definitely made me a lot stronger. Um, I learned lessons in my first year as a manager that will take me through the rest of my career. Um, you know, whatever route I end up taking with it. But I think just the big thing is, is knowing like, you know, you make a bad decision in college, you get written up, you make yeah. a bad decision at work, you lose your job. Yeah. And like when, when you've got a house and like, I've got a, I've got a whole house to myself and a fiance and two dogs and, you know, we have all this great stuff and everything, but it's like, if I lose my job, I, I lose everything, you know, yeah. like now I'm really struggling. So, um, you know, things like that came close where it was like, you made this decision and like, you, you can't, yeah. um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's definitely scary, but like learning the weight of, of your decisions, just, uh, it really, really is, is an impactful thing. No, no, I, I 100% agree. And it's also just like, how, how does God like impact your decisions at this point, you know, and then throughout your life? Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my relationship with God, um, has been like on and off. Um, it's amazing how things can just, you slip through the cracks and you're like, dude, I haven't prayed in months. Like, like things just get so busy and, and you just don't take the time to like sit and just reflect. And, um, Putty shared this. It was like a proverb. I I don't know. It was like a Viking prayer or something. And I need to track it down and get the name of it. (laughs) Sounds like Putty. Um, but the thing that stuck out with me, and I think he showed me this, like maybe a year or two after I graduated, um, when it was really important and it was, you know, one of, one of the, one of the phrases of the whole thing was basically the desire to do more is enough for God, right? At least that was the take home message I got from it was even the desire to, you know, say, say you're not going to church and you haven't been to church in months, you know, what's in your mind, what's going on in your mind? Is it, yeah, I'm really just falling away from the church and I just, you know, I don't care about it or you know, are you like, I need to get back to church. Like, or I need to pray more. I need to do this more. And like, God sees that. And he knows, you know, that you have that still, there's still a flame lit inside of you. Um, you know, don't ever extinguish it. And as long as that lights in you, then, then that means the world to him. So, you know, it's not like you're, you're breaking up with him by extinguishing this flame. You're like, I'm done. 
you know, he knows that he still has a place inside of you. And, um, and that carries me through a lot of challenging times. Cause it's like, you know, I feel like I just have given up sometimes on my faith. Um, and then I'm like, no, like I haven't, um, you know, it's still important to me and I, I still want to be a better Catholic, um, still want to have a better relationship with God. Um, and that carries me a lot of times through things where I'm like, at least I still have that drive, um, to get back to, to, to doing more magis, right? <laughs> that whole <laughs> Jesuit phrase. Um, but yeah, so, so that was a big thing, you know, with work, there's two big Jesuit teachings that really have carried me, you know, you know, when I sit back and I'm like, why am I doing this? Why, why do I put myself through the headache of, you know, yeah. being a manager or, um, you know, dealing with patients that are just unruly or, um, insurance companies, like, all the things that just drive you crazy, you know, you have to stop and sit like, well, why am I doing this? What got me into this? And, um, you know, the two big things, AMDG, and I know a couple of people kind of throughout podcasts have mentioned it, but, um, you know, add my arm day glorium and for the greater glory of God. So, you know, yeah. basically everything that you do is not for yourself. It's for God. It's for the greater being of, of God. You know, he created all of us and we're all one. And, you know, if you're not doing something to help, you know, other people and, and doing it for him, um, you know, then what are you really doing it for pride? Are you bragging? You know, like at the end of the day, you know, when we pass on, nobody cares, you know, if, if you have a lot to brag about, you know, yeah. it's, it's what was the impact that that person made on other people? Um, you know, so it, it's all for a greater being. It's all for a greater purpose. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to, to school to do all of this stuff just to say, yeah, I have a cool job. I, I make prosthetic limbs and things like that. Like technology yeah. is cool. It's like, no, like I get up in the morning because I know that I'm going to change somebody's life that day. Um, and, and it's not, it's not for my well being. it's for theirs. Um, and they're one of God's people. So you're doing it for the greater glory of him. Um, and it was like, you know, a year after I graduated from college and I got this massive tattoo on my ribs that says AMDG That's because awesome. I was like, I need to carry that with me through my entire life. Um, and, and I always look at it and I'm just like, you know, it, it reminds me of, you know, why I'm doing this. And, it, and it's not just professional life, you know, like every, every aspect of your life, whether it's, you know, a friend needs help or, you know, family members struggling with something, whatever it is, it's like you know, be, be somebody for others, which kind of leads me into the next thing of men and women for others. Yeah. Um, and you know, father Pedro Rupe was, was super cool and coined that where, um, you know, kind of along the same lines, it's like, we were put here to be men and women for others, not for ourselves. Um, and you know, whether you're teaching somebody, mentoring somebody, helping somebody to walk again, helping somebody to, you know, do whatever that seems like a task to you and I, you know, being able-bodied, that would be something that's, you know, a no brainer to them. It's like, you have no idea what doing this for me has done. Like I can walk down the aisle of church now, like yeah. something as simple as that means the world to somebody, um, you know, and, and it's, it's specifically using your God given gifts and your God given talents um, to help other people, you know, and it, and it wasn't like I was born with this innate knowledge of prosthetics, but it was like I had the God-given gift of, you know, striving, you know, to, to excel in education and, 
um, you know, wanting to, you know, have some degree where I can help people and having that, that ability that God gave me, you know, the brain to be able to learn this kind of stuff to help other people and having the, the, you know, compassion and, and sympathy, empathy for, for other people to really connect to them. No, no, I agree. And, and like, like, and it's crazy because you answered my last question and it was more of like, Hey, like there's people listening right now, you know, they want to incorporate God into like more into their lives. Right. Especially like post college life, Like, and you did, you said uh, AMDG for the greater glory of God, like understanding that what you're doing is for the glory of God. And even in my life, I've recently been like exploring that a little bit more and, you know, trying to exhort God and everything that I do, I'm doing this to exhort God, you know? And then, yeah. So being a man and woman for others. And I know me and Lucy and Maddie Davin talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. You know, how are you, how are you doing at moving forward? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really important to just constantly remind yourself of things like that. And, um, you know, I know that I think it was in either Maddie or, or Lucy's you were talking about just the peaks and valleys, you know, it's like you're calling for God when you're struggling at your blows and you got to remember like, thank God when you're at your highs, because Absolutely. he's also going to be there the next time you hit a low. Um, <laughs> and things like that, have, you know, you, you try to, you try to really incorporate that. And, and, you know, you know, say I, what I really like to do, I'm, I'm big into going outdoors and hiking. We travel out, you know, to Utah, Arizona, Washington, like we love going out there because you see like just vast amounts of God's creation at one time. And, um, and I, every time I'm doing things like that, I'm like, you know, thank God for this. Like, seriously, thank God for this because he created this. And, um, and it may have been putty or, you know, somebody in college, you know, tried to teach me and I try to carry it today is like, don't just call on God when you need help. Like, yeah. recognize him in everything because he is in everything. Like, you have a great meal. Like, thank God for this meal. Like, you know, you're not just saying a blessing to run through the motions. It's like, no, really, God, thank God for this meal and everything that led up to this meal. Um, you know, you're on a mountain. Thank God for this view that I'm seeing. Thank God for getting to work safely today um, yeah. because that strengthens your relationship with him much more than when you're just, you know, you can't sleep at night and you're like, God, help me. Um, you know, you need him at the highs and the lows. That's so true. The highs and the lows, bro. And, you know, Probert, like, it means the world to me that you got jumped on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, like I said, it's, it's definitely an honor um, to be on here. Um, just excited, man, to help, uh, help other people. Hopefully, hopefully a couple things that I've said can kind of resonate with some people and kind of connect in a way that, you know, helps them through something. I know there, I know there definitely was some jewels you dropped, you know. And so, Probert, where can people find you? Like, where can they contact you if they have any questions or they want to, like, message you and about anything? Yeah. So, I mean, probably the best thing is just through Facebook, um, Stephen Probert. Um, that's, that's probably what I'm on the most slide into my DMS. If there's yeah, <laughs> anything yeah, that, you know, DM. you need to talk about, I'm, I'm, I'm here for everybody. And, um, you know, if, if at the very least, I'm just a set of ears to listen to, you know, I may not have the best words back, but I know that sometimes just talking to somebody is all you really need. No, absolutely, and and I, I think I think I think you definitely provide a ton of value. And like I said, I'm grateful and I'm blessed you jumped on the podcast, bro. Absolutely, man. And Appreciate I'll it. You next time, I'm gonna sign out. Wow, that was an amazing episode with Prover. It, it felt really good just to get back. It was super nostalgic to talk with him again. And you know, we have similar mindset as relates to like 
how we conduct our lives, how we interact with people and our interpersonal relationships and having those meaningful conversations. So, Prober, I really appreciate you reaching out and getting on the For the Masses podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, For the Masses podcast. This podcast is dedicated to my lovely mother, Alfreda Bullock. She ran her race with elegance and pride. I love you forever.